Do you ever uh, scroll through uh, internet land and occasionally come across a picture that you find funny? Maybe it's on your Yahoo feed or maybe you're Googling along and, and you kind of laugh and you feel somewhat bad about it because, I don't know, the, 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 the pictures can be uh, somewhat uh, strange at times. One of them I've come across is this kind of string of pictures. It's called, You Only Had One Job. Have you seen these before? You had one job, okay? There you go. The next one. You had one job. How about this one? One job. You get that, right? Crack resistant there. One job. If you need to help your neighbor on some of these pictures, it's okay. The rails go in the wrong direction. How about this one? One job. All right, now this one's a little tricky. See if you can see what the, what the, the mess up is in this. Do you see it? Where is the milk? It's not in the bowl, people. <laughs> All right. How about the next one? That was not a shot at engineers. I just want to... How about this one? If you need to help someone on that one as well, uh, the nonstick... There is no such thing as a nonstick, okay? My mother-in-law got me one of those. Does not does not work, all right? You, you see it, right? All right, and that's my favorite uh, because cats have no job uh, to, to their own minds and self, right? Any dog people out there? All right, well, tomorrow uh, we'll start school, and I am on the morning shift, okay? I've, we've got three kids, and they... they Two of them are going to the same school now, and one goes to preschool, and I'm in charge of getting them already fed and out the door. My biggest one job that I have tomorrow, the thing that I cannot mess up, but, and yet it's the hardest thing that I, I have to do, Briley's hair, okay? She's five, and her hair is just, I mean, it is just everywhere. And so I saw, in the middle of the Googling, I saw this picture, and I thought, man, you had one, one job, Dad. But it's not, it's not as easy as it seems, right? Ladies, I see you all the time. You just throw your hair up, do all kinds of things and buns and ties and does not, these hands were not made for that, okay? But but as I think about that and this whole one job thing, as Christians, as Christ followers, if we had to, to let's narrow it down to one thing, one job we have, what would you say that is? One job. What, what is our, maybe we'll say this, as Christ followers, what is our, our mission, our one mission? Turn to your neighbor real quick and, and, and just kind of share, what does you think our, our one job is we had to narrow it down as Christians? Not a lot of discussion, uh, rumbling around the room, so I'll help you out a little bit. All right? I think Jesus is kind of clear about this one, and I think sometimes there's a lot of things that we want to do, and, and these are good things, but maybe I think it comes down to maybe one mission. And Jesus said this way, this is John 17, 18, this is the message version. It says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, he's talking to his disciples now, I am, I, I'm giving, he's praying to God and, and talking about his disciples, I give them a mission in the world. Now, what is his mission? He said it clearly in Luke 19. I've come to seek and to save the lost. I've come to seek and save the lost. In fact, 
You know, he says the last thing in Matthew, he says, is, he says it this way in Matthew 28. It's called the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now, if that's our one mission as the church universal, as Christ followers, if you look around universally, how do you think we're doing with our one job? That's a tough one, isn't it? It's really tough. A few years back, a friend of mine, uh, he used this illustration. He said, you know, this is about 20 or so years ago, if you would go to the grocery store and you're in line with three people, about, mm, about the, at that time it was about one out of those three people go to church. Well, about 10 years ago, he had to change that. He said, if you go to the grocery store, if you're in line with four people, then probably one of those people go to church. Nowadays, he would say, if you're in line with five people, then probably look around at that line, and one of those persons in line would go to church, because it's about 20%, give or take, of people that regularly go to church. So how are we doing with this? Not so great, right? We look around the world, we see, we, we hear about missionaries, and can I be honest with you, there's a lot of great thing, things happening around the, the world in missions. People like, countries like China, there's places that are on fire for the Lord, but in the United States, things aren't, aren't going so well. And so there's been tons of books, tons of articles, tons of things written about, well, why is this happening? And some negative back and forth, the church this and the church that. And I've really been processing that this week and really talking to God and spending time with God and kind of searching myself as well. A couple of things have jumped to my mind. Uh, one of them actually is a picture. And I don't know how I got a hold of this picture. I think it was a Bob Golf reference, but I'm not really sure. But it's this picture from the 1954 Miss Universe pageant. Now, I have no idea what's happening, like what the context of this picture is, but I think that we can kind of guess, all right? Now, I don't know if you would put a caption on this. Maybe you want to put a caption in your mind of uh, maybe what some of the, the ladies are thinking in this picture. A couple of things jump to mind. First of all, this is Miss Universe, and yet there are countries and there are states represented. I don't know if you see that, Texas and Pennsylvania. So I'm not really sure the context there, but... Something has happened to one of the young ladies, okay? And I think just by Googling it, it's Miss New Zealand. Miss New Zealand takes a fall. We have no idea why, just based on what we're seeing. But what I do know is that there's not a person budging around her, okay? All hands back where they're supposed to be, smiling, right? Toes pointed in the right direction. No one has budged except for maybe the, the one girl, I think this is Cuba, kind of is looking down, and, and I think that's Honduras, she's, got a she's keeping the smile, I'm still smiling and looking, and I wonder what they're thinking, another one bites the dust, uh, that's one less person to worry about uh, in this competition, you fill in the, in the caption, but, but I think maybe as one person wrote, I think it was uh, Dr. Rainey said this, the church in general and people in general have become very, become very inward focused, that everything is turned toward self and us in the midst of, of everything around us. I, uh, I, I think I, it can really be summed down to one thing for me as I've thought about it, is that we've forgotten. We've forgotten what our one job is, our one job to go and to seek and to save the lost. 
to go and, and, and to tell others about Jesus. To tell others about Jesus. There is this guy, uh, you probably have seen uh, his shoes. His name is Tom. And uh, maybe some young people know a little bit more about it. Tom's shoes. Have you seen those around? Different styles. Just has Tom's on the back there. Great mission. Almost, I think about 10 years ago now, that basically you buy a pair of their shoes and someone who doesn't have shoes gets a pair somewhere around the world. I read an article in the, the Harvard Review about Tom. Uh, a few years back, he was going through just a, just a terrible time. It was kind of a, a desert time in the midst of, of what he was doing. And, and it seemed that everything was going great. At that point, 25 million shoes had been given away around the globe. Uh, things were soaring sales-wise. But in the middle of this time, he found himself disillusioned in his own words. That's when he got away from it all, he was so focused on the, the model, the, the, the train, the machine of the business that he said himself that he'd kind of forgotten the why. And he, he began to go back. He began to go back to Argentina when he first visited there. And he went with an aid worker who was passing out shoes. And kids were coming from everywhere, all these villages, and they were just trying to, there for shoes. And kids were there. They could only go to school if you, they had shoes. And so what kids would have to do is rotate shoes so they could go to school. And so you couldn't go every day. And so kids were rotating shoes, and they were passing out these shoes, and moms were just in tears as they were receiving them. And so he goes back and says, got to help these kids. And so he starts Tom's, the business. But in the middle of that, forgotten. And so he, in, in this desert time, he connects with another person that's involved in, in missional work and helping others. And this is all about coffee and about how in certain areas of the, the country, specifically in Rwanda, that if you have clean water, that coffee can be made at a higher quality and can be sold at a higher quality and can help bring clean water to different places. And so he started something new with mission and the why in mind, with every Tom's roasting company product you purchase, Tom's will help provide safe water to a person in need, one for one. He remembered the why. He got back to the why and focused on that within his business model. Now, what's the why? There's a show uh, that I saw an advertisement for a commercial. Maybe you've seen it. I think it's, I get the actresses mixed up, Kristen Bell, maybe. It's called The Good Place. Maybe you've seen the commercials during the Olympics or something. It's a little snag. I, ha I know nothing about this show other than what I've seen in the 30-second commercials. First 30-second commercial is this. Uh, she is in this place called The Good Place. It looks like heaven, okay? I think it's a heaven-like setting. She can't cuss. And so when she tries to say a cuss word, it comes out as another word. And that, you know, that kind of, that's kind of a funny thing. I said, oh, that's interesting. I wonder, you know, you begin to just think, is heaven like that? You can't cuss in heaven. I don't know. You just, this dialogue goes in your mind. Next commercial. It's her, and she's thinking, you know what? Maybe, what, what's the other place like? Okay, what's the other place? And the person she's dialoguing with, I don't know if it's an angel or who it is, but he goes, well, let's call up such and such and find out. We'll get an audio from the other place. And suddenly it's this, ah, ah, it's screaming. And she says, well, that doesn't sound very awesome. <laughs> and you kind of, in the context of the commercial, you kind of chuckle and laugh. And I chuckled and laughed the first time, I'm going to be honest. And then I started to think about it. That's not very funny. That's not funny at all. You know, you think about what the other place is like. 
images come to mind, don't they? The one that really gets me is that the fact that total separation from God, total separation from God, and, and being away from who God and his love for us is. I read a book a few years ago, and it, and it really disappointed me because it, it kind of just said, well, just challenging whether or not even held, whether it existed. But, but I found something in the book that was interesting that I, I, I took away from it. And, and the author said this, that, that basically while we're on earth in the years that we have, some people right now are, are in the middle of hell-like moments. They are experiencing hell on earth, and we don't even see it. And I think people who are apart from God and living their lives away from God are in the middle of some hellish moments, not only in the life to come in eternity, but here on earth. And the why is because God has promised us and wants full life for each of us. He wants it not only for eternity, but here in this place as well. Who are some people right now that you can think of that maybe you know are living apart from God, who are living their lives away from God right now, and the results, man, they're hard to watch. They're hard to see because there's a lot of pain in that. There's a lot of hurt in some of the results of their life. To go back to the why, maybe we should go back to, and see what Jesus said so, and what he did. So if you would, grab your Bible, John chapter 1. We're there, and uh, if you don't have your Bible, uh, you can get on your phone. Uh, version is an app. It's a great Bible app. There's Bible plans and, and, and Bible versions that you can jump on pretty easily. So I invite you to, to download that, that sometime. But John chapter 1, the scene is this. It's Jesus is just on the scene. The author, John, not to totally confuse you, is different than John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist, the author, John. John is the one that's, that's writing and talking, and he's talking about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, one day, he sees Jesus, and he says this to the disciples that are around him, his disciples. He says, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's what he says in describing Jesus. He sees Jesus. And he begins to tell them that this Jesus is the one that we've been waiting for. He is the Messiah. He is the one that we've put our hope in, and he is on the scene now. And so John uh, is with his disciples the next day, and, and he goes again. He says, look, there's the one, the one, the lamb that I was talking about, the one that takes away the sin of the world. And these disciples of, of John, they run toward Jesus, I see in my mind, and they begin to kind of creep up on Jesus. And I don't know how closely they were following, but Jesus, this is the, the context of, of, of where we're at here, it says Jesus looked around and saw them following, and he asked this question, what do you want? Now, I don't know if he said like this, what do you want? Or if he said like this, what do you want? I don't know how the inflection that he said in his voice, maybe you can hear it, maybe it was more of a Yoda kind of thing that he was able to invert it in some way, and, and the question became, uh, let's see, how would that be in Yoda voice? Help me out. Not the voice, but the question. It would be, what want are you? Uh, something like that. But he asked this question, what do you want? And I think it's actually a, a, a much more profound question. Because what he's getting at is this, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? He turns around and says, what are you seeking? And maybe the answer to that question for us 
will tell us a lot about where we are in this mission and this job that, that Jesus has given us. What are you seeking? What, what do you want in your life? And, and, and what's the reaction? They say this. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And so what happens here? Jesus turns around and says, what is it that you're really after? What do you want in this world? And they reply with this, not a what, but a who. We're after you. We want to spend time with with you. We want to be in your presence, in your company. And when they go and they spend time with Jesus, what happens? They go and tell others. They go and share this Jesus with others. They go and actually invite others to this Jesus. So as I've been kind of processing this week and this job that we have, what do we do? First of all, we've got to remember what our one job is. We've got to keep that on our mind. We've got to remember the why that we're here as Christ followers. The second part of that is is a who. Who do we spend time with? I'm convinced today that, you know, and I don't know what I would how I would rate this sermon as we are in the halfway point, but there are some sermons that I've given as I look back in the past, and maybe I have knocked it out of the park sometimes. Sometimes they're like ones, sometimes they're tens, okay? We're going to be honest here. I could give like a 10 sermon today on evangelism. We could bust through those doors in about, I don't know, 25 minutes, and we're all like, let's go. We're going to go charge the world. We're going to go find people, and we're going to tell them about Jesus. But something's going to happen in about two weeks. It doesn't matter how great a sermon it is. You're going to lose that. You're going to lose that kind of fervor and passion you have. I mean, am I right? Can you remember that you've gotten excited about things before, but then you're like, it's the camp effect. A couple of weeks later, you're like, you know, you don't even remember what was either said or what was the only way that we can mem- remember the why is if you spend time with Jesus on a regular basis. If you go to him and you're, you're spending time with him just like the disciples did and, and they begin to remember and they begin to, that passion begins to, to, to turn within them to go out and to tell others in the world. There's a, this passage in, of Scripture, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It's a very familiar one for you. Uh, you are the light of the world, a city that cannot, on a hilltop, that cannot be hidden. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about We Are Marshall? They got together and they would, ch- they would chant out, We are Marshall. We are Marshall, the crowd. We are. We are the light of the world. We're the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and then even puts it under a basket. It reminds me of a song that I used to sing. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I think, as I've been thinking about this week, the more we spend time with Jesus, the more we shine. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more we become like him. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more we're brokenhearted for those that are separated from him. The more we spend time with Jesus, our hearts become aligned with him. We talked about that last week, realigning our hearts 
in our lives with the things of Jesus. And what it, what it seems to me is, is that when it's the darkest light, maybe even a single light, shines the brightest. And as we look around our world right now, it kind of feels darker than normal, doesn't it? It kind of feels a little darker than normal. Maybe it's the, the headlines we're reading. And as much as I, I don't want to read those headlines, as much as I don't want to get into that political conversation, as much as I don't want to, to go to CNN or to Fox or to wherever you go, I'm still finding myself clicking on those things. And when I do, something happens, right? We begin to feel the same things around us, negative feelings, maybe fearful, anxious, worried. When things get darker, the light shines brighter. So instead of maybe us focusing, this is as God's speaking to me, on the things that are, are not going well in the world, the darkness in the world, maybe we need to focus on the light. Instead of focusing maybe on our own needs, we start focusing on the needs of others. And when that happens, I think we're going to shine bright. When we give credit to God, instead of always seeking self-glorification, we're going to shine. When we look at work differently, that we're working for God instead of people. Students, when you go to school and you are working at school not for a teacher or for a grade, but because you represent the Lord. When you go out into places and you have a chance to, to maybe say something negative about a person, instead you encourage them and you lift them up. You're going to shine in bright places and others will notice this. So we call it this. This is kind of a value for us that we want to, we want to reveal the light. We want to reveal the light. This is kind of the, the, the picture that we've come up with, that in the world, we want to reveal God's light. We want to shine bright out in the world. Continuing that John passage, it says this, when Andrew brought Simon to Jesus, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said this, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, come follow me. Philip was, with, was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. I love this line. Nazareth. <laughs> Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. When I was a kid, I loved getting mail. I loved going to the mailbox and opening up the mailbox and hoping that there was something with my name on it. Now, occasionally I would get a birthday card or something in the mail. A lot of times I became current resident uh, and had a, a stack of mail. I still to this day love it when we go on vacation and you go to the mailbox and it's like, it's just flowing out. But now it's bills and bills and like, that's Melanie's pile. Uh. But don't you love it when you go to the, the mailbox and you know it's not a bill and you know it's a handwritten name? You, you see your name? I love getting invitations. I love being invited to things. I've told you this. I, I love being invited to, to things. And as I, as I think about this, what God's called us to be in this job that we have, I think God wants us, as you see this passage, what happens? He says, they say, hey, he uh, turns around and says, what do you want? And the disciples say, well, well, where are you staying? And what does Jesus say? 
He says, come on and see. It's an invitation. These disciples spend time with Jesus. They go out to their friends, and they say, this is Jesus. He's the one. And like, no way. He's from this, this Nazareth. He can't be the one. And what do they say? Come and see. Come and find out. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to find out. So in those books and all those things I talked about with the church and why the church is in decline, here's a stat for you. Just two numbers, 82 and 2. 82 and 2. Maybe you can remember those two numbers. Maybe you want to write them down. 82 and 2. 82% of people that are unchurched said they would at least some or somewhat likely to attend a church if they're invited. If they were invited. 82% likely to consider. What's the two parts? Any guesses? 2% of people that actually come to church that have invited someone in the last year. 2%. Man, when I read that, that just cuts to the heart, doesn't it? There's a little bit of, for me, it's a little bit of I, I, some guilt there. So I began to think about, well, who, outside of the context of the people I see, who have I invited that are unchurched to come to church? And maybe you're feeling the same kind of feelings that I have from that, that, that stat. And what if we were a people that were embraced a culture of invitation, not just in this space, and I hope that we do that. I hope we're constantly inviting to things that are happening around here. But what if out there we had a, a culture of invitation, and not just invitation, but receiving as well. Can I get a, just a quick volunteer? I have not asked anyone beforehand. I, it has to be a dude. So come on up, you, sir. What's your name, buddy? Tell everybody. This is my buddy, Wyatt. Okay, Wyatt, all right, if I see you walking, we're going to do a little role play here, okay? If I see you walking and one of my favorite things, when I see somebody I know, I want to greet them, and so I, and I'll bring it in for a little tap here on the back. Does that feel pretty good when you do that? All right, pretty good. Now, if we were walking, and I saw each other, we made eye contact, this is a pivotal moment in, in greeting, okay? You make eye contact, and you're like, okay, I've got a decision here, how this is going to go, and then I start to do this, and I'm like, I'm just going to shake your hand. That feels, that feels pretty good. It's not as good as this, is it? No, it's not, okay? Now, what if you were walking toward me, and I just did this? Yep, it's kind of, exactly. <laughs> not prepared, not planned. How does that feel when you're just kind of going towards someone like that? Ignored? Yeah, it's good. Hey, thanks. That's all I need you for, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Give it up for Wyatt. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I am not a hugger. I don't do that. Let's back it up. We're not talking about hugging and, and high fives. It's a posture of living. Are you a receiver? Do you receive people? Or do people feel like this with you? In conversation, not just in the way that you shake hands with people. I'm just talking about in life. Do you receive people? Do you welcome people? Do you invite them, not just to church, but into your world, into your life, maybe into your home, into who you are. Are you that transparent, or is this kind of the, the feel? I, I've, I've felt that this week. Do I do this? 
Or, you know, I'm, I'm like the, I'm, the that, I'm that guy here. I just don't know if I'm that guy out there. And I've really been thinking about this and processing this week, and especially around, God's been speaking to me about my neighborhood, my people that I, I live around. And I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, I don't know my neighbors at all. I know the kids in my neighborhood because we have a trampoline. And uh, those kids eat my food and are on the trampoline. My kids are great at receiving. I just don't know how well I know my neighbors. So God has been kind of pushing something on me for a while, and I've been kind of pushing God off for a while now. And so finally, in the midst of this conversation in this Texas week, I made a flyer. I, told, I asked permission later, but we've been talking about this for Melanie. We're going to have a barbecue this Saturday in the cul-de-sac. We live on a cul-de-sac, and we are that kind of people sometimes. We're having a barbecue. It's a back-to-school barbecue, and I'm inviting neighbors to come to the, bar- to the barbecue. Going to put flyers on, on, on houses and hope that they don't, you know, call the HOA. And we're going to invite them over for burgers and dogs, and we're going to meet our neighbors. And we don't know where it's going to go from there. We don't know. But I'm excited to see what's next. I'm excited to see what's next. So we got to remember the why. We got to shine in the world. We got to have this culture of inviting and this culture of receiving. And I hope that we have that here. But there's, there's one last thing that's really been on my mind this week, and God's pressing me in. And, and I, think, I think it started when I saw this guy in the parking lot. I was at, we have a new Walmart in our neighborhood, and there was this one kid that's trying to get all the buggies, the buggy kid, in the, in the, in the uh, parking lot. I was one of the buggy kids. You had to go and get the carts or the buggies and gather them up, okay? And this kid is overwhelmed with carts. And I just see this one older gentleman, and he gets out of his car, he s- surveys the situation, and he begins to collect these things. Like he's working for Walmart or something. He begins to get these carts, and he pushes them toward the front. And this kid just pauses and has a moment. And I'm wondering what's going through that kid's mind. This week, we, uh, another thing, that just kind of these things started to add up. We were going to meet parents, or meet the parents, meet the teachers uh, a couple of uh, yesterday. We go to Briley's at kindergarten, meet her teacher. Teacher Noah's in the, the fourth grade, so we're meeting his teacher. Uh, Briley's teacher, her name is Miss Gaspard, uh, which gave us a little bit of a laugh. Uh, I don't know Miss Gaspard yet. I'm sure she's a, because of Gaspard, ga, the Gaspard. That's what made us laugh, okay? Um, so then we found out Noah's teacher is Miss Hartland, and Noah, of course, said, well, what if her name was Fartland? And <laughs> that's when you have to try to be the adult, but it's really hard, all right? So we meet Mrs. Hartland, and you cannot think of Hartland and not think of Mrs. Hartzler, who was Noah's teacher in the first and the second grade. Miss Hartzler, I wish I had a picture of her and Noah because... Guess what? She went to several of Noah's games, soccer games, basketball games. She would write letters to kids in the class. Last year, Noah wasn't in her class, third grade. She recorded a video and and posted it uh, for those kids. I am cheering for you during star testing. Let me tell you something. There has been no one that has made a bigger impact on my kid in school than Mrs. Hartzler. And I think it has something to do with her being a a Jesus follower as well. 
So I've got this in my mind. I'm seeing this happening. I'm seeing my friend Michelle do something amazing with kids in her house. And maybe you need to ask her about that story and how you can be a part of it. I see a video from Louisiana, and I hope that we've been praying for folks in Louisiana that have experienced a lot of what we've experienced, but maybe even to a grander scale. And I saw this video, and it's all kind of coming together for me. And uh, I don't know, did you see this video? It's this boat, and there people are trying to help, and you can turn the volume down just a little bit there. These people are trying to help others, and there is a woman inside that looks like a Miata there. And she's inside, and, and something horrific begins to happen. Uh, the car begins to, to sink in even more, and, and they're trying to get her out, and uh, you know, maybe possibly ripping the top off there and, and, and trying to break the window, and uh, don't know what's going <laughs> to happen next, and the car, it's sinking. And so what does this guy do? He just jumps right in. There's alligators in those waters, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. Have you seen the news? And what does he do? He gets in the car in the middle of it all, and he rescues this woman. Isn't that awesome? And not only this, she gets out, and she's like, my dog is in there. Have you seen this video? My dog is in there. And, and the guy's like, what, the dog? I can't get the dog. And she's like, I'm going to get the dog. And he's like, no, you stay here. I'll go for the dog. He goes under the water, and she is just a mess because of her sweet dog. And, and one guy's saying, forget the dog. And guess what happens? The dog comes out of the water, too. The dog comes out of the water, too. Yeah. So there's a phrase, a very simple one, and one you've heard before, the extra mile. Who went the extra mile for you so that you would know the love of Christ, that you would be rescued? Who invited you to this whole thing, not just called church, but because, called Jesus, called full life? Who was the person that did that? Because I guarantee there was someone that invited you. There was a person that was a pivotal person in that process through invitation, through receiving. So here's the challenge that I have that I've feel, been feeling even more. I kind of think, and I don't think this is really an epiphany, but I, I, maybe you'll agree or not agree. You see, the way that I was invited to this whole thing was through my, my parents and through the, the, the vehicle of church. That was how I came to know the Lord. So when I see our kids come in here like we did this morning, when I see what's happening in different areas and ministries, I get pumped up. I want your kids to be involved in those things. I want your students to be involved in those things. Why? Because that's how I came to know the Lord. Through people like you that were investing in me. And I was a church kid. But God, what God's really been pressing into my heart is this. There are other ways that we need to be reaching out to other people. Not just parents that come to church, but to parents and people that don't go to church now. People that don't go and didn't receive Christ that way. That's not the only way. It, it comes through us going to people who don't know the Lord yet and living this life that people go, there's something different about you. What is different about you? What is this hope that you have in the middle of the mess? It comes from inviting people, not just to church, but into your life. It comes from people who are willing to go the extra mile and not just to draw lines and say, man, I've done what I had to do. 
I did the minimal amount in anything. It comes from people that are going to go past that, rip past those lines and say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see people come to know Christ because I cannot live with failing at my one job in this world, the one mission that we've been given. I'm not willing to fail at that because too much is at stake, folks. Too much is at stake. So as a pastor, as a preacher, you may know this. We kind of come to this point, and this is where we try to land the plane, okay? I have no idea how to land the plane today. I told our staff that this morning. All I know to do is to pray. So you've got this sticker that I gave, we gave you at the beginning. Remember that prayer that we prayed at the very beginning? God, speak to me about something specific. So this is what I want you to do. What specifically has God been teaching you or talking to you about in our time? Maybe it was something that was shared. Maybe something that God just revealed to your heart and your mind today. Maybe it was a name. Maybe it was something you need to do. I don't know what that is. I know what God's been talking to me about this week. So Garen's going to play, and I just invite you. We're not going to sing any fancy songs. We're not going to play any videos. It's just you and God time. You got a pen? I, I just encourage you to write down, because this is how I remember things, and I will put it in a place that I will, I will remember. So take a few seconds, a few minutes after that time. I'll, I'll lead us in prayer, and we'll go from there. Continue to write as I pray. God, I I just want to confess to you this morning. For myself and and just for the church, Lord, we have we have forgotten the mission that you've given us at times. Lord, the busyness of life, distractions have gotten in the way. Lord, just excuses, Lord. I just think of excuses. God, I pray, Lord, that you would tattoo on our hearts 
tattoo on my heart, Lord, Lord, the call that you have given us, the mission, the job that you have given us as people who get it, who have received your grace and your mercy, Lord, that we would be your ambassadors in this world, ambassadors of reconciliation in this place, God. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to remember, God, by coming into your presence daily, Lord, being reminded of who we're called to be, Lord, to be lights. Lord, not to perpetuate darkness, but to shine brightly because of the transformation and the hope that you give us, Lord. God, may we be people of hope. May someone ask us sooner than later, why? Why are you the way you are? Lord, may we be challenged to be more like you and less like the world. God, I pray that our hearts would beat for, for specific people in our lives or people in our, our circles at work and our families, Lord. I lift up every name that was written on a post-it note, Lord, every initial, every, every person that we know, that we come in contact with who doesn't know you, that's living apart from you, God. I want to pray for those people that are desperately seeking answers and trying to, to answer that question of what, what they want. Lord, we know the answer. The answer is, is you. God, I pray, Lord, that they would, would see and hear and understand your love for them. It is too great to fathom. But, Lord, we know that if they would, would get a glimpse of that love, that their, that their roots would grow deep in your love and grow stronger and stronger in their faith and their purpose and their hope in this world. God, I pray that you would use us. Lord, may we not forget. Lord, may this not be something that is forgotten, Lord, the next day in the midst of our, our stuff, Lord, but help us to remember always. God, I am excited for what you're going to do through your people. I'm excited at what you're doing through this church, God. There are so many great things happening. There's so many great stories of transformation. There's so many people, Lord, that have changed their life because of invitation, because of grace and, and your love, Lord, and we are grateful God, I pray that we would be a people that would not be satisfied. Lord, we constantly seeking, Lord, to, to fill empty seats, seats in life groups, to fill empty seats in this sanctuary, to fill empty seats in our home, Lord, at, the, at our tables. Lord, that as we call and invite others to live this life, God, it's such a good life because you are a good God who gives good gifts. Lord, be with my friends as they live this faith out this week. And we pray these things in your precious holy name. Amen.